0: can't believe that you haven't seen it love it so much you really gotta stream it
1: let me tell you every line right now i can quote the whole
2: Hey, 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 hey. And welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, joined by my lovely, lovely co-host, Jane Agnes Hammer. And before we get into the episode this week, I do want to let you know that if you want to keep tabs on us between apps, you can find us on Instagram, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on threads, needle in a way, at Movies We Missed. Jane, how are you doing on this crisp December evening where the temps have dropped in Chicago? Mm. We're in the 20s today, baby. We are. Uh, How are you doing? You keeping warm?
1: I'm keeping warm in... I'm not going out very much, so that is how I'm keeping warm. Really, just to take the dog out, and I actually was wearing shorts when I took the dog out last time. Oh my god! What? Because it it was like I was uh, sitting around the house, I was wearing like lounge shorts. You know what I mean? And then I was like, oh, I got to take the dog. You don't know what I'm you. You don't wear lounge shorts in the winter ever.
2: I know, I, I know what you mean about being in the house. I don't know where it changes to that door opening and not throwing some sweatpants on those bare legs. It
1: was because I was, okay, so I was working today and it was like between meetings and I was like, oh yeah, I gotta take the dog out. And I was like, oh, it hasn't been that cold. And I have like on the back of the door, I always bring my long coat out to take the dog okay. out. So it goes down like, you know, Oh, to my calf, it's a long okay. coat, so I was like, "Okay, it should be fine." It's not that cold, and then we mm-hmm. get outside, and I was like, oh, "Shit, this is not appropriate in a number of no. ways."
2: that cold that cold also even in a long coat sometimes it sneaks up underneath the long coat well
1: that's what it was it was but i yeah. but i was expecting it to be like as it has been it which be is like in 43 the, yeah. degrees you know what i mean yeah, which yeah, is yeah, like yeah, yeah. i know i feel you i can get, I get away that. with that in 43
2: degrees you know what i mean but yeah i concur no it's it sneaks up on you and it's the yeah. weather's been so all over the place too it was like 50 on friday like what it's like it's just nonsense the Um, world is ending so you know it's um who are you telling child um, Just trying to trying to get through it for a good time not a long time apparently
1: um are you excited to go to warmer weather when you go um home for christmas
2: yeah I uh, it don't mean it's like ten degrees warmer. Honestly, like really? it'd be, it's supposed to be like in the it's gonna be like in the fifties here. It's gonna be like in the sixties there. So Whoa. it is what it is. It's, it's everything's cooking. Every, I guess th- these temperatures are ridiculous. People are getting boofed in Congress and Senate. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what, oh my God! What.
1: We have to talk about that. Did you walk Okay, for those of you who don't know, someone made a gay sex tape and it got. Uh, for
2: those of you who don't know, you know oh what? Oh my God! If, Let
1: me tell you, there are some people who are not chronically online. Like you and I.
2: I will say we, well, hold on. I will say we cannot be your news source. (laughs) If we're how you're keeping track of what's going on in the world, also, then it's fine. They're also getting as a compliment.
1: Because we're taking a hiatus. They are getting this like months later.
2: So I hate it because it just makes it, it makes it seem like we're like your parents who are just like not up to date on current events. We but think about it as like a recap. To yeah.
1: You're gonna be like, you're gonna you're to listen to this in like oh, yeah, what in February? You're gonna be like, oh my mm. God, I totally forgot about that. So much has happened since then. Mm. We eradicated student loan debt and Entirely. we solved mm. the housing crisis like all of that we solved
2: the climate we crisis we solved the
1: climate crisis and
2: global warmings and in the past we
1: somehow moved on from um someone shooting a gay pornographic video mm. in the senate um
2: oh my god did you wait Nonsense. let me ask you this
1: did you watch the video mm.
2: is the video like out maybe yeah all I saw was, like, I saw, like, a 10-second clip. Is that what you mean? Or is there, like, a whole video?
1: Um, It's, uh, uh, to be fair, I have not watched the video. But
2: I okay. have. Oh, well, you asked me, like, you had helped, like, edit it.
1: No. <laughs> You were like, you haven't seen my work, baby? I was not I was um in the bullpen, as they say. Um I was a cinematographer. But I but I didn't have anything to do with after it was distributed. So I don't know what
2: happened to it. But I I haven't seen it. I didn't know it was actually out. <laughs> I thought it was just like a 10 second clip, no, no, but I, it's been released. Well I
1: I, from mm-hmm. what I what I've gathered this is also why we mm-hmm. can't be your news source by the way but from what I've gathered on Twitter <laughs> which is my primary news source I think you can watch it people have said like I've seen tweets about people being like I watched the video and here's what okay. you I'll, know
2: Oh okay I'll take a I'll take a perusal <laughs> see I'll go check CNN out cnn.com I want to see it too on. if
1: you can find it let me know I'd love to take a gander I'll just
2: I'll send some gay porn your way nothing nothing new Nothing
1: new just a, um. a radio regular old Monday in the evening for you and I.
2: And honestly, that's an appropriate topic because this is our Valentine's Day episode. Yes. And how yes. much do you show your love oh. other than boofing <laughs> um, on the Senate floor? <laughs> and I can't think of anything more romantic. I can't think of anything more cheeky. Mm. Um, it's... It's giving Harlequin. It's giving. It's giving romance novels. It's giving, it's giving old Myers.
1: school Jane Austen romance, where it's like you are so buttoned up that like just a hand graze will immediately make you shoot
2: off in your pants, sort of like it, it's giving. It's giving J Lo and Mr Worldwide get on the floor. It's giving new meaning to it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> these young these young aides over at the Senate, um, they're throwing those boochie cats around, and people are people are picking up what they're putting down, and then they're releasing mm. statements on LinkedIn. Apparently, oh,
1: did they um, find? I know uh, I saw like some they found mm. who did it. There were statements released. By the way, oh, the
2: statement was nonsense.
1: Was it? Do we did we identify the staffer?
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. It, it was the statement was was was. Nonsense.
1: I mean, I don't know how you defend that. To be honest, like you made a sex tape at work, and that's like never a good idea. When you're caught, you're caught, and I feel like you should just be like, "Yeah." I mean, I was trying to get the a, get it away with. Literally,
2: it. just be. It should just be an apology. One hundred
1: percent. It should be an apology, and it should be just sort of like, "Hey, like we thought we weren't going to get caught, but." We realized that that was a mistake as soon as, it was, as we uploaded it to Pornhub.
2: <laughs> I love. We thought we weren't. We weren't going to get caught. I thought we weren't going to get caught. It's just like the statement. because well, which is like, like anything you also did you as a child. No,
1: you absolutely know when you were entering into that situation that you are you are doing something that is like. Potentially going to make you lose your job, maybe even illegal. Like there's no way you don't think there are consequences to being caught doing that, right? So like you do it thinking, oh, we're just not gonna get caught.
2: Oh, for sure. No, I was looking. I'm just pause for a second. I really want to find the statement because he takes like no responsibility. Okay, you take him in if you want to. I'm taking it. And also like threatens legal action against who? Uh, hold on, please let me find Also, this is like
1: I I really do recognize how late this is for most people listening to this, but we're in it right now. We have to discuss it.
2: Yeah. Oh God, you're right. It's so like old. <laughs> I know. People are gonna be like, like, like,
1: we've moved on from this as a society, and we can't.
2: <laughs> it's yeah, it's not like the hot button topic you think it is. Mm-mm. Hold on one second. Yeah, take your time. We're not doing anything else here. Come on. Well, first of all, you know how horrible I am.
1: I know. It's like, fine. Do you want me to look for it? Okay, I got it. Okay.
2: The statement released. I don't. I to really say allegedly. Is a legislative aide, a former. I cannot pronounce his name. You don't have to say um, his name. Who
1: cares? What his name. I is. won't say the
2: name. The statement is. This has been a difficult time for me as <laughs> I have been attacked. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
1: the idea to like lead with this has been a difficult time for me like babe this was completely orchestrated by you but go off
2: (laughs) this has been a difficult time for me as i have been attacked for who i love to pursue a political agenda while some of my actions in the past have shown poor judgment I love my job and would never disrespect my workplace. Any attempts to characterize my actions otherwise are fabricated, and I will be exploring what legal options are available to me in these matters. As for the accusations regarding Congressman Max Miller, I have never seen the congressman and had no opportunity or cause to yell or confront him. I don't know what the accusations regarding Max Miller are, but... That is apparently, um, the statement. Um, that this is isn't, this isn't so a love is love issue. Wild.
1: No, he's equating it to being like, this is gay rights. And it's like, gay rights <laughs> is absolutely not being able to fuck publicly in like, uh, you know, a public building that is used to like create laws and
2: shit in like the- well, It's been a while since that's happened.
1: <laughs> right. But I mean, like you're a public servant and like you, or you work for a public talk, servant. Uh- and
2: I could argue that uh, that service was happening.
1: Of course, of course, of course, every public no, service joke that you can think of. But uh, absolutely, this isn't it's like it's not too. it's not your right to to quote unquote make love in a public place at work.
2: <laughs> no, that's you know, funded but, by the taxpayers. Like, but also to see somebody finally working in Senate is <laughs> it, it's it's nice. I will say that Thank at least God. that's going on. Thank God.
1: Snap! Snap! This is how
2: it's done. This is how it's um, done, sweetie. Um, not Dave. Adding on the top was identified as well. Not- <laughs> Speaking- we're, we're tired of the we're tired of the bottoms taking the burnt. <laughs> no pun intended. I dare you. I was
1: gonna say there's um, no way we move on from this without like absolutely identifying every joke possible. But I, you know, I think we've done what we can, and I'm sure the people have um beat beat it. As the dead whore, beat it, beat it to a, what is?
2: Beat, uh, well, beat, it, beat
1: the dead horse beat it like
2: a dead horse, beat it like a drum <laughs> no. beat it like it owed them money beat it like this top beat it in the Senate floor.
1: What I'm it's trying all been to say is that I'm sure society has talked about this enough and we are coming at this, you know oh, uh, We're late as hell. Way, yeah. way, way, way late in terms of release dates so thank you for indulging us and what we're really here to do honestly is actually talk about Meryl Streep so I don't know what we're doing with this mess
2: here. Um honest and truly, mm-hmm. um there's many different kinds of love and many different kinds of romance and we um have a movie that <laughs> is really special to us here at the podcast. I mentioned it was a Valentine's episode, but also we've been doing this for a minute now. Mm-hmm. Um some would say we're pros. And because we've been doing this for so long, we can now reflect on, you know, our years-long journey up to this point. Uh one of the very first episodes that we released was Something's got to give. And that episode holds a special place in our heart here at the pod. It's mm-hmm. Nancy Myers, who also, in all her rich caucasity, holds a special place in our, our, our hearts here at the pod. And we decided to revisit Nance. I've been waiting to do this movie for a very long time. I really mm-hmm. like this movie. Mm-hmm. It's a fun Nancy Myers joint. It's, it's got great. Meryl, it's got Alec, it's got Steve. Um, and it's just, it's a fun, fun movie and I've been waiting for the opportunity and there's been a couple of times I've thought about it, I'm like, oh no, not yet, not yet. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what, this feels like the perfect hopper Mm -hmm. to like, you know, usher us into the next chapter of MWM, Movies We Missed. And, uh, I thought that, you know, I thought our fans would enjoy it and I wrote a little synopsis to get us to just sort of thrust us into the movie. Um, are you ready to hear it, Jenny? I would love to hear it, I can't wait. Here we go.
1: <laughs> yeah. thrust away oh,
2: God. are you the senate bottom <laughs> what is going on I'm always Telling the senate bottom nice Jane is adjusting to life as a divorced empty nester no, don't worry she's not exactly trying to figure out how to make ends meet this is a Nancy Myers joint so we don't have to deal with pesky things like money troubles which we love Right, what you know Nance Anyway, Jane Adler, goodness, even the name sounds rich. Jane Adler is a relatively new divorcee. Her youngest child, Melanie, is heading off to college, and the other two kids are grown and forging lives for themselves outside of the family home. She is a booming bakery business and a bevy of devoted friends. She also has an ex-husband called Jake, who is remarried to a much younger woman with a penchant for bare midriffs. Jane has made peace with Jake's new life and began forging a path all her own. The two seem to have both moved on in their own respective directions until Jane crosses paths with Jake while in New York for their son Luke's college graduation. It turns out when the new wife and kids are away, Jane and Jakey boy will play. A few harmless cocktails at a hotel bar leads to a trip down memory lane, which leads to a little gesticulation on the dance floor, which leads to some spirited thrusting in Jane's hotel room. This was just one of those things. Jane chalks the libidinous lovemaking up to the emotions of the weekend and heads back to the west coast, resolved to move, to move and heads back to the west coast, resolved to move forward and leave Jake in her rearview. But a funny thing happens once they return home. Jake wants to pick up where they left off in NYC. Jane does her best to resist his advances, but nostalgia can be a hell of a drug, and she finds herself entangled with her very married ex-husband. Despite her better judgment, Jane is the other woman. Oh, and to top it all off, Adam Schaefer, an architect working on plans for her home remodel, has designs on more than just coffered ceilings. Let's just say Adam is hoping to lay something other than Carrera, and I ain't talking to you. The pipe he's hoping to lay in copper or PVC. It's Caucasian because it's Steve Martin's penis. Soon, Jane will have to choose between the familiarity of the past or the unknown of the future. With love, there's no way to reach a simple conclusion. It's complicated.
1: Ooh, wow. It was a complicated plot, but you did it justice by untangling it for us and and i appreciate that i mean it was there's a lot of elements
0: and
2: Baby, call me tresemme because i'm the detangler <laughs> um i try and just keep the you know keep it rolling mm-hmm. it is a lot This plot there's this, this quite a few moving parts mm-hmm. and it's a nancy myers rom-com so you know it's over two hours exactly um, so i just tried to hit the hit the biggins hit the big plot points and uh you know help us slip and slide and into to be, the movie to
1: be honest sometimes when you assign movies or i assign movies that are over like an hour and 45 minutes i'm always like oh my god this is gonna take so long because we have to be so tuned in when we watch these movies so that we can have these conversations and so mm-hmm. a two-hour movie actually becomes like Probably a two and a half hour movie, you know what I mean, where you're oh for sure, pausing, rewinding, making sure you heard what you heard, <sighs> that kind of thing, but this. I'll tell you what, washed over me like a milk bath, and I loved every minute of it. I did not feel like it was too long. I did not feel like I was, you know, waiting for it to be over, and that's what a good Nancy Myers movie does. I just don't feel like I've ever seen a movie by her where I was like, "Oh, I wish this was shorter.
2: No, I will say that sometimes with Nan, I feel like... I I feel like... (laughs) I feel it less in this movie. I mm-hmm. feel it more in like a Something's Gotta Give mm. where I'm like, oh, we're st-, like, there's several points in Something's Gotta Give where you think it's the ending, but it's not. And you you're happy what? it's not because there's more to tell. But this movie, I didn't feel that as much.
1: As, so- as soon as I said that, I was like, I don't remember what I said when we did Something's Gotta Give because it was like two years ago. So I may mm-hmm. have come to a point where I was like, God, is this movie over yet? But I will say, Either way, we've also done the holiday as well, which is a long movie. But like, I, I just like, I, I'm all in for Nancy's stories. Like, she weaves wow. in a way that keeps me interested. Is essentially this the movie point. is
2: just about two hours, mm-hmm. and to me, it does not feel it. It, it's, it's mm-hmm. over really quickly. Um, I think oh. it's also because it kind of feels like everything that we that we get and all of the plot is. Necessary, yeah. for like sort of like the telling of this story, mm-hmm. and it's not a movie that actually does have that many moving parts because there's quite a few like supporting characters, but it really is Meryl, Alec, and uh, Steve sprinkled in, yes, like so. Like, that's that's sort of what this movie hinges on. And it's funny because we'll get into it in our like it, love it, low yeah. actually, but um, I'll hit you with the quick stats on this I'd one. I'd love to hear. this movie was released, it was actually, it's, it's you know, it is, um, what's the word I'm looking for. I don't know. It is fitting that we're doing this mm. movie um, at this point because it was released on December 25th of 2009. <gasps> A and Christmas I was like, release! Right? I was really surprised because it is definitely giving Valentine's Day release, so I'm I'm surprised that they were like, "No, this is for the whole family." Yeah. Um. No, this is for mom and the aunties to go to. Mm-hmm. Um. But December 25th, 2009, it was uh, made on a budget of 85 million dollars, and it made 224 million dollars at the box office.
1: Damn! Does she ever miss?
2: It's, does she ever um, miss? I, I don't think she. I don't think she knows what a flop is. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a. It's a certified hit. And, uh, yeah, we are going to transition into our patented Mm. uh, like it, love it, loathe it. This is how we break the movies down. It just helps to sort of like define the conversation for us and for you and sort of keep us all on track. So we're going to start by talking about some of our like it's things we liked about the movie. Um, Jane, do you have a like it to start us off? I do. I do. So this is. Not a new theme for anybody,
1: but it's certainly something that we've talked about many times on um, MWM. And I feel like just the collective um, millennial conversation about Nancy Meyer movies is The Incredible Kitchens. And um, the first thing I noticed in this movie is that when you When you get to Meryl Streep's home and you go into her kitchen and it's gorgeous. I mean, she's got these beautiful big windows over the sink that she can look out into her gorgeous property while she's washing dishes. She's got all these appliances. But the thing we find out pretty shortly is that she's updating her house. She's getting an addition and she's getting her quote, dream kitchen. And I was like, girl, what more could you ask for? And the kicker that kills me because obviously nancy meyer kitchens are so huge and such an important hot topic we never get to see the dream kitchen you go through this whole movie without seeing it and i this is a like it point with you know uh, the other side of the coin where it's like nancy you could have given us more you could have given us that dream kitchen but i loved what i saw anyways
2: you know, somebody called George Gershwin because who could ask for anything more? Okay. <laughs> this kitchen is so beautiful and it is quintessential, Nancy. It is like, it's, it's, um, what's the phrase that people use? It is, uh, it's easy uh, elegance. Like, it's
1: like open yeah. concepts. Like it's not it doesn't look like it looks like it's been used it looks like it's been lived in it looks like it's a well but but clean and you know what i mean it's clean everything has its place but like you know all of the equipment is well loved and and um you know nothing nothing goes to waste
2: here no it is it's as they would say quiet luxury mm. this kitchen is really beautiful it everything it is giving like C B2 no crate and barrel, what am I saying? Yeah, C B two in your fucking crate dreams. And barrel, it's giving open con- it's given like open concept. Mm-hmm. We've got like uh like we've got pots and pans that are um hanging from the wall. They're strewn in this sort of like effortlessly like charming Chic, kind of yeah. way. It's pr- it's kind of provincial. Um, Dave described this home as like Spanish colonial. Mm. Like it is very that. It's easy. It's not the kind of, it's like the kind of kitchen that like if you had like a really rich friend, you would like, and you went to like their home, like you would go into the house and you wouldn't feel like precious about like touching anything because it's not like, it hasn't been created to be like this sort of like sterile environment where it feels like nobody li- it feels very lived in. Yes. It feels like it there's feels a like coziness well lived in. to
1: it. This is the thing about Nancy Meyer sets in general. There's such there is it is quiet luxury but there is such a coziness and a warmth to it. And the kitchen is is exactly that.
2: Oh, absolutely. Really lovely pendant lights above like, you know, her little island in the middle of the kitchen, but it's not like a it's a, it, it's like it's not an island that's built into the um the kitchen. It's mm-hmm. got like open shelving underneath. Um, she's got like some of those like uh rattan, like the like the um the cabinetry has the rattan in the in the center of it. The paneling is, is made mm. of that sort of open, like open weave rattan that's really all the rage right now, 14 years later. Yeah. Um and it's just very open. There's a it's very breathy. There's an archway that leads into the kitchen from like the dining area. <laughs> I love the idea um, of a kitchen being breathy you know what i mean though i know it's like, i know what you bad. mean
1: it's like open air it's like it's yeah it's 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 giving breathy it's as breathy as meryl's
2: pants suits that she wears <laughs> the entire movie it's it's very bad it's easy it's breezy it's i'm rich and i don't need i don't need to tell you i'm rich exactly. just like come in I'm rich i don't want to discuss I don't have to
1: prove it and like we're gonna no. we're gonna plan a trip to tuscany but like we're not gonna talk finances at all it's gonna be a group trip i'm gonna book the hotel i'm gonna you know what i mean and we're not even gonna talk about how much it costs
2: it's probably oh god like those rich people who just switch off who plans a trip and then it's oh like your friend's like oh my god I have to pay you back for like the villa yeah and it's like oh stop oh come stop on it.
1: we are not talking about this here come on have another glass of
2: wine Judith we're not talking about this we're not talking about fucking money that's gauche have another glass of Lambrusco and sit down like it's very much that vibe um and I want to be friends if, if you're out there and you have that kind of lifestyle I will be your friend oh my god me too um, I also
1: can't reciprocate so like that's something you gotta can be do cool with i do it
2: without with. I can do it without Jane, too, though. And I want that to be oh, clear. And,
1: but, and also very clear, I can do it without Brandon. I can absolutely block him, turn off my phone, whatever you need me to do, and I'll show up at the villa in Tuscany. And you know what? I can't repay you in terms of being like, I, I'll get the next trip to the, you know, to the Maldives or whatever. I, but I will I will make sure that, like, I will keep you entertained. We can stay up late and
0: talk,
1: drink wine, you know, whatever you want to do. <laughs>
2: That's not. I will be. That sounded. Jane is a clown, but I will be your clown on this trip. I'll be your jester. And also, did you note how shady she is? You know, she she'd block me. I didn't say shit about blocking her. She doesn't even want me seeing the photos that she posts on IG from the vacation. She said I'll block his ass so he doesn't even know where we are. Sounded
1: like I was being so coded about like I will fuck you because <laughs> I was like we can stay. Up oh, late. I didn't pick that up at all. I was like we can stay up late and talk and like do whatever you want to do. <laughs> but that's not what I meant. That was not. not that was not what I
2: picked. <laughs> (laughs) up from what you said but i know that you have no scruples so i so i know that anything's on the table
1: if you're good if you're good looking
2: look let's be honest mm -hmm. if you go on a trip like this with us with a group of people and you don't pay for shit you're not in a position to take anything off the table
1: you you you.
2: look this is this I don't mean pure, that. I'm just ju- I'm just joking. Pu- I'm way this too I'm way too woke to say something like that. This
1: is purely for comedic reasons. So, and I have to say that ultimately,
2: yeah, but it's not true. It's, it's and it's disgusting if anybody true. makes you feel that way. Yeah, how fucking dare that? You pack your shit up and you leave. And you figure out. You are your own way person. That, that being said, that being
1: said, I know how to pay people back, and sometimes I know a blowjob is part of it. But anyways. <laughs>
2: I didn't even imagine any men being there, Jane. I thought it was just money to lesbians.
1: Okay. Well, like that's power a
2: power lesbians. I, I
1: have to say that's a preference for sure.
2: Just <laughs> you hanging out and you know, then at <laughs> one point or another. Well, like I'm assuming Holland like Taylor, a
1: Taylor, Sarah Paulson, Brandy yeah. Brandy Carlisle and her wife. Like though, that's what I that's what I'm imagining.
2: Oh, is that what you're imagining, Jane? You having a fuck Brandy Carlisle? <laughs> oh, poor baby. <laughs> oh my god brandy Carlo, she wouldn't stop playing music for me <laughs> on the guitar and I, she, she insisted said in some, on making she love like, to me
1: said i inspired her next album i don't know like i guess like we have a connection whatever
2: <laughs> you just turn in- it turned into your fantasy um it's like that that's what we're saying we're saying that this is a really nice lifestyle and we'd like to be a part of it and uh apparently we're willing to turn the other cheek apparently, and spread them we- in some instances <laughs> Uh, to get the invite. Look, we don't have the money to to reciprocate. I I will cook you some delicious meals. That's in the kitchen. I'm Um, I'm not so
1: much of a chef, but I can um. You know, Jane will
2: cook up drama for sure. (laughs) Cook up dissension in the troops.
1: Look, I I, I'm willing to try to make something. I if you want me to cook, I can. But like you you have money. I feel like you'd want to hire a chef.
2: But let's just have fun. Let's go yeah. on the trip. Let's have fun. Mm-hmm. We know how to be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we don't. Famously, we don't. But we will make a really good trip of it. Okay? And if you are like, Shh, hey, be quiet, then we'll be like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> we will take, so just bring we'll, us. We will
1: take the hit. We read social cues really well.
2: <laughs> Ish. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with you, Jane. I. It's really funny because so much of these Nancy Myers movies mm-hmm. are about like, they're not, not about the kitchen, but it's one of those things that, culturally like if you are a person who loves nancy myers films mm-hmm. it's a thing that almost always stands out is her gorgeous mm-hmm. kitchen designs and there's a timelessness to them like Absolutely. this kitchen feels like it honestly could have been des- like um, like a kitchen today it's like <laughs> your True. friend's really wealthy family mm-hmm. who has a. it's it's a person who has enough money that their style is kind of timeless mm-hmm. and like it like certain things can be changed to not to like contemporary or the the moment of modernity, but like it's not necessary. Like it there's an effortlessness to ever. it. Yeah, and it's like it's done in like finishes that are to a certain degree timeless, mm-hmm. and like it's kind of like it's like it's like when you see like if you're watching like if you watch any like older films, like if you watch a film from like the 1950s and you see like or the 1960s, if you see, if you watch a film from the 1960s, you see Rock Hudson in like a suit, like he's going to look fabulous. And Absolutely. it's the kind of suit that if you saw a man walking around downtown Michigan Avenue in that suit, you would think, wow, he looks sharp as fuck. Mm-hmm. The only thing you may think is like, oh, that cut's a little bit different or, oh, it's a different amount of buttons or oh, those pants could be hemmed or like, like you may, that like certain Actually, things change, but they're really I don't think you small. would think
1: that. You would say and be like, oh my God, that person looks incredible in that like vintage style suit.
2: You're probably right. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's that kind of vibe. And I think that this movie totally gives that. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that like, you know, it just has that kind of a vibe to it. And we love to see it. And it was really funny. You're right. Because it's it's also one of those, those spaces where it's like, you don't need to touch this kitchen. No. There's no. Like, you can because you're rich. Do what the fuck you want with your money. That's but the like thing. It, it was a rich person. But person's, it doesn't like, need to no. be.
1: And I bet, like, be I'm sure there was a story behind it. She's a chef and she wants more space and it's set up differently. Sure. Fine. Whatever. But, you know, mm. it was it was uh, it was beautiful to look at either way.
2: I do. Okay, so my first like it point mm-hmm. is not actually a like it point at all. It mm-hmm. was a note that I made. Mm-hmm. I was to this movie and I thought, you know what, I want, I want an all black, I want an all black Nancy Myers rom com and oh i God. think it's long overdue i, I want, would love that right i want it to star angela bassett and Bola davis of course and of I, course. I want I just to got somehow sit around them.
1: when you said that
2: right i mean incredible and i don't know if they're sisters or best friends or what but i mm-hmm. want them to be the focal point mm-hmm. and i just want to see them and i just want to see them living in the fucking lap of luxury I in too. fabulous outfits linens cashmeres Jeez. and i just they're always they always have to fight in these goddamn movies, I know. and I want to see them get the opportunity to just be fucking fabulous and like you know I want them to just do a rom com where they get to just be in like fucking like Italy or wherever and just like live their fucking lives and, so and be
1: navigating Nancy, like a wealthy affair with your ex husband like absolutely. I would
2: absolutely I feel
1: like either either Viola or either Angela would be incredible in this role as oh well and like that's such a good idea i feel like we need to talk to
2: Nancy. <laughs> i want them both in it because i feel like they would have crazy chemistry too <laughs> absolutely and i feel like i would love to see them just have opportunity to just do something fun and mm-hmm. like you know, get to be effervescent. They're it, always, they always are those things, but I would love to just see them backdropped and like, I want to see them with a the fucking hundred million dollar rom-com budget. Me too. And uh, we'll eat it the fuck up. You know, we will. Of course. So just give the people what they want. Please. Um, That's brilliant. That was my first point. That wasn't a like it point. But now, it was a dream point. It's,
1: it's a like it point for me. I'll tell you what. Um, I have another we'll like it point. Answer. If um if you're ready for it.
2: I'd love to hear it.
1: All right. Um, this actually isn't like a point. This actually should be a low that point, but I wanted to make sure I brought it up as soon as you believe. I like
2: possible. how we're both just doing whatever the fuck we want. And this
1: is our podcast, baby. Let them know. Um Alec Baldwin grabbing Meryl Streep's crotch and saying, Home, sweet home is a top horrifying moment of 2023 for me. Now let me give uh. you a- <laughs> Let me give you guys some context for that. Um, No context, no. (laughs) So Alec Baldwin plays Jake, Meryl Streep's ex-husband, Jane is Meryl Streep's character, Jane and Jake end up getting drunk and having sex in New York, as Brandon previously stated. And they are lying in bed. Meryl's got the sheets pulled over her in a very strategic way, and you see Alec Baldwin's hairy little chubby hand reach over and grab Meryl Streep's real crotch and say the words "home sweet home," and I. Screamed. I thought, don't you ever, ever disrespect my marrow like that again? I couldn't, I couldn't stomach it. And I'm 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 having trouble discussing it now.
2: Jane, I didn't know you were such a square. (laughs) I I thought it was two people (laughs) filling their oats (laughs) deep in the fantasy. Um, I just gave over to it. It is funny because in moments like that, I always wonder, like. Is this, is this improv moment or is this like, was to, this in the script?
1: It had to be in the script to grab another actor's genitals has to be in the script in 2009. I have to believe that. And for those genitals to belong to Meryl Streep, I have to believe that that was in the script and she agreed to it. Otherwise, I will burn the whole city down i can't have Meryl be disrespected by that like that and also here's the thing here's the thing that i'm going to admit early on in this conversation and maybe you agree with me but i from the get-go hate jake alec baldwin's character so aggressively that that was not a cute moment for me that's
2: probably why it's difficult Oh, I didn't hate him at all. Did you really? <gasps> oh my
1: god, I hate him so much in this movie. He's he to me. He's a villain. A
2: villain. Really? Yes. Yes. Oh, oh. my god. Maybe I'm just. Maybe I was just deep in the in the whole thing, and to be fair, I didn't have. The, I didn't have like. I've seen this movie like mm-hmm. multiple times. So like, I'm familiar with it in mm-hmm. a way that I don't know if this was my first time watching. If there were things that I picked up on that this time, I'm just like, Oh, Alec." I bet you, it's,
1: I bet you if I saw this movie, like what, 15 years ago when it came out, yeah, I bet you that I would have been delighted by Alec Baldwin, but that was me 15 years ago. And now yeah. all the things that I have known and seen and experienced i'm like that is a toxic person
2: i was aware of like like his his toxicity i guess i was aware of Mm -hmm. i think that like alec baldwin has this quality about him that like He's like a likable asshole to me. Yes,
1: it allows yes. And I agree. And he has that. He definitely has that in many, many roles. He has that in 30 rock. He has that in other things that like they were smart
2: to he was a he was a good choice because he's really like he's like a Alec Baldwin's a good actor. Alec Baldwin is a great actor. In a a role like this, he's almost like he's almost like the personality hire because it's like the charm does a lot of the work for you. Uh And to be fair, Meryl too, she's a one of the finest actresses to ever oh my walk God. the earth. Of but course. like but her char- she's charm oozing out of her. And yeah. like I think that it does do some of like and it's funny because he's flawed in a very similar way to Jack Nicholson in Something's Gotta Give. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think I'd I don't think I'd clicked until just now. And he also is kind of a dick. Yeah. and they're both men dating women or in this case married to a woman substantially younger than them (laughs) whose worlds are turned upside down when they actually like venture to have sex with a woman their own age Mm -hmm. and like they don't know how to like deal with like the fact and and these women ultimately too, like they get reluctantly pulled into these sort of games so it's like it is interesting that you note that because he does a lot of fucked up stuff and when you think about it from like the objective like a when you step away from it you are like because like, in that movie it's like you're dating Amanda Pete and you're like fuck you fucked her mom and then in this movie spoiler alert, by the way sorry and in this movie <laughs> it's you're kind like of an older movie I think people will deal with it <laughs> and then in this movie you're like you're despite how you may feel about the Lake Bell character you are like you're you're married and it's yes, like obviously like the women are a- like
1: there's implicit in it yes and there are other things associated mm-hmm. with the fact that besides that this is an affair that i yeah. find abhorrent like i mean look life and relationships are very very complicated particularly this the one movie the movie is literally called it's complicated i reserve judgment for people who make choices you know like based on their own experiences i that's not like I don't think someone is a horrible person because they cheat on someone would I want to do that to someone no Would I want that to be done to me no of course not people hurt people and they doesn't say it doesn't mean everything about who it doesn't they define are who they are exactly or their character. yeah I get exactly saying, yeah. and but <clears throat> sorry but i That this my frustration with him and this does bring me to my next point, which like give it up. Okay, I'm sorry. I know I'm like kind of usurping that we're not going to be totally fine. But it brings the next point is like it's so classic that Jane feels terrible about the adultery and Jake doesn't care. Like he's thinking about Mm -hmm. it as their big second chance. But I don't think the way that I think about Jake and this character is I don't think he knows how to be in a functional relationship and be there for somebody. So he enjoys having affairs because that brings like new life to him when his relationships get stale. So like, I think it's important that it is his ex-wife because a lot of the things he says like about why this makes so much sense is literally i i would fucking kill him if that was me sitting there listening to it he's like Un- all the things that happened 10 years ago are no longer an issue for us and it's like yeah you didn't think your wife was any fun because she was busy raising your children and now which you admittedly said you didn't really participate in that much and taking care of your house and home all the while having her own business and now that she doesn't have the burden of also taking care of you she's fun like, it just it pissed me the fuck off for her. I was like, you deserve better. You don't deserve, like, him not learning anything from this divorce and him thinking that this is a second chance. It just... I, I spiraled, as you can tell. No, no, I get, I get
2: what <laughs> you're saying. I know that... No, that does make sense. Also, like, very telling is, like, one of his last lines in the movie, there's a scene towards the end after they've sort of decided that it's best that they go their separate ways. Mm-hmm. Um, And they're sitting on a bench in front of her home, and he says... I don't think that this... I don't think it would have happened if I wasn't married. He's meaning, yeah. I don't think this affair would have happened. Mm-hmm. I don't think there would have been, um like, um, the potential of a reconciliation or a tryst had I not been mm-hmm. married. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that it did stick out to me as very telling mm-hmm. uh, because it exposed just, like, a deep character flaw. Because essentially what you're saying is, like if it didn't come with risk and if it didn't come with a particular kind of danger, then this would not have been as enticing to me. Like, it was, like, what was enticing was obviously the familiarity and what I do feel is, like, a love that he does have for her as, you know, this woman who he was married to for decades and the mother of his, Mm -hmm. you know, three children. I'm, I'm sure that's there. But, like, I think that, like, the risk of it all and I think that, like, that thing where it's, like, this life that he had, I'm sure with, like, you know, this... Agnes, who is the Blake Bell character, I mean, she has a small child that she had after, like, cheating on him. Mm -hmm. She got pregnant and came back. And so it's like... He... Their life has become very, like, regimented and, like, normal. And I'm sure that, like, when he met this you know, young woman who's already quite young. It's Lake Bell 15 years ago, yeah. so already pretty fucking young. But, like, when he met this woman, I'm sure it was like, oh, my God, you know, it's exciting. There's this... You're having this really, like, fun sex life. You don't have the pressures of, like, three children who would have... The oldest kid at the time would have been, like, 17. So, like, you've got, like, a you've got, like, a preteen, and then you've got two teenage daughters at home. The stresses around mm-hmm. that. And then a wife who's struggling to nobody's struggling in this movie um, but a wife who's got a who's got a business you know that she's running but I mean um, <laughs>
1: at that time 10 years ago she could and, and she could have been struggling more to just balance everything and being really frustrated because he admittedly said like did not show up for her in the way that he needed to which I think is like kind of a classic trope when it comes to like heterosexual oh, men in sure. these relationships and if you think about the character Jake's pattern, it's this. He's doing the same thing. He's just bouncing between oh, just to a different person. Just, but it's between women who don't hold him accountable to like growing up and taking care of a family and having this lifestyle where it's like, yeah, it's not always fun to go to a soccer game on Saturday, but like we are building a family together and we both have to take on that responsibility. And so when he doesn't participate in those, then he feels like his wife is not as fun as she used to be. And I'm talking about both Jane and Agnes in this scenario. And so he goes and finds someone else who is in a situation that is different, who is willing to have more fun, who's willing to take a risk and be that sort of carefree, you know, um, peter pan person with him like he just is like refusing to take responsibility for these families that he keeps starting it's gross
2: and it's also like the fact that it's like this kind of like moment of like it's a moment of escapism. And in Jane's case, it's like, so you essentially left during, like, one of the hardest and the most difficult times. Yeah. You know, these are the experiences that forge bonds and mm-hmm. that sort of, like, make moments like this. Because one of the moments where this sort of happens, they're having this affair. It's a very funny scene uh, featuring John, Kras- John Krasinski. But they're having this affair at this hotel. They're in, they're in bed together, eating food, watching... Oprah, mm-hmm. because Oprah was still on the air. That's how fucking long ago it was. Um, they're watching Oprah eating their food, and he's he basically takes a moment to sort of acknowledge and like relish and like how nice this feels. And it's like, yeah, but it's like you like leapfrogged over like the really difficult years because yeah. it's like a couple that you know these two people who are in their like mid to late fifties. Um, you know, they have three children that are officially like adults and out of the house. It's like, this would have been the moment that you would have been able to have. You would have earned it. With your lovely wife, had you sort of like leaned into the marriage in those moments where mm-hmm. it felt like things were falling apart or unraveling, gotten curious about maybe ways to fix it, done a little bit of interrogation and like work on yourself if you were having those kinds of feelings. But it's like. He sort of pushes that shit aside, and he just goes and has like, a affair. That's like how yeah, he and deals it's with like it. You get whatever version of him he's willing to give, right? When he's willing to give it, and because you were married to her for so long, you know her triggers, mm-hmm. and so you know. And, and Meryl does such a lovely job of really like embodying like the the tensions around sort of like that. Like I said in my in my synopsis, the the intoxication that comes with fami- the familiar yes, and like the, yes. and nostalgia, and like she's perfect for this part too because she fully does. I mean, she's going through like this really intense sort of like existential crisis because it's like who she is is directly. In opposition to who she has known herself to be and what she has, you know, sort of like purported to stand for. Mm -hmm. So it's not an easy journey for her. And he has this ability to compartmentalize in a way. And I think for a while it's intoxicating to her because who doesn't want to be like the fun, breezy, carefree person and like forget about responsibilities, especially after years of like sort of shouldering those those burdens of those responsibilities. She's also in the most vulnerable moment of her life, it seems, because her youngest child at the beginning of the movie has just gone off to college. Her son, their son is graduating. Her daughter, her older daughter is getting ready to get married. So it's like she's a true empty nester for the first Mm -hmm. time when she says there's usually, you know, you all are shuffling in and out of the house and this is the first time she's going to be alone. So it's like the person perfect recipe and the perfect sort of degree of like, like her really sort of being at her most vulnerable when like he presents this, you know, to her in this moment. And it's sort of, ends up leading to this affair and so all of that to say that I I do get what you're saying Mm -hmm. and I I, I, and when you break it down like that that it is like yeah that is pretty fucked up like like
1: he is charming I get that 100% but ultimately it's the package
2: that it comes in and it's the fact that it's like fucking Alec Baldwin with his like fucking Cheshire Cat grin on his face and like He's just fucking funny. He's, just, that's he's a why, comedic. He's,
1: and that's why a yeah. lot of men like this do get away with this because you're so charming and he makes her feel special and wanted and loved. You not and-
2: just say my fucking name, okay? Because I'm tired of this. What happened between us mm. in the Poconos? It takes two. It takes two just to, to square dance. I'll say that. It um, it does. It does. God, I want you to take responsibility. Get your wife off my back. <laughs> Because she's been angry at me since (laughs) since that happened. Um, I my next like it was Lake Bell, who plays Agnes. Mm -hmm. I, it's funny seeing Lake Bell as a sexy vixen. Um, it's just not the kind of part that I think about Lake Bell in. I, I feel like I think of Lake Bell as like an indie darling. She's very I've, like, but she's always awesome, very quirky, very sexy in those quirky. I mean, Lake moments. Bell is just yeah. sexy, but sexy in like a quirky way. And in yeah. this movie, she was sexy in like a seductive way, mm-hmm. and it kind of was like surprising. Yeah, um, that was just a funny thing. Also, I don't think I I've seen this movie probably three or four times and I don't think I ever completely clocked the fact that Lake Bell it's been a very long time since I've seen this movie maybe not three or four times I've seen it a couple times I think anyway my point is that I don't think I clocked the fact that it was Lake Bell even until this time watching it Yeah, and I was like oh shit and she's got darker hair Mm -hmm. and they're clearly trying to create this vibe Mm -hmm. and um yeah, she's so that was something that was interesting and surprising because it's not the thing that I automatically think of. But I mean, Lake Bell is totally. a very beautiful woman. Obviously, I also think Lake so. Bell
1: has made like very specific choices to make sure that that's not the first thing you think about when you think of her.
2: For sure, no, yeah. I'm I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. And she's also just like kind of underutilized in this movie as well, which you could say about everybody, but our three leads, honestly.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, um,
2: I sorry. which isn't a bad thing because one of the leads is Meryl Streep. Right, so right. exactly. It, it's not bad it's just like i think that there's some character development that like it's kind of inconsequential but like it would have been interesting um to learn about but anyway that was my next one
1: um do you want to do another one because i feel like i did two in a row
0: yes okay
2: I, I All I said was, the next one I wrote was inexplicably wealthy. <laughs> and then I wrote, glad she, glad she always casts women that I already have a deep affection for. <laughs> that makes it easier to like so them. So
1: true. So true. Because if this was someone true. annoying, then I would, I mean, first of all, it would be an entirely different movie. But it's really, uh, like, who would be a person who you would not root for? I was
2: just about to ask you when you said that. Who because would be a person that you wouldn't?
1: In my mind, but in this part, it's not yeah. really like an actor. It's like a reality star, somebody like that. Dave
2: just the Dave just yelled at Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: oh, my God. Gwyneth Paltrow is a really good answer to that just because she has come out in the last few years as being the most annoying white woman you know but I do think like she I still enjoy watching her and things like I don't think she I, I don't know it you, would
2: turn it would turn a little campy I think yes. like in like like I could see that and I could see art imitating life to a certain degree. I think that there's like, there's yeah, that's a really good question. I don't know who that actor would be off the top of my head, but I do know that there's an actor that like in this movie would like make that part, like not quite work. And like another actor that would make the Alec Baldwin part, like just a little bit, like, I don't know, like unhinged in a way that like you didn't like, you didn't see what she was saying, right? If that makes sense. Like, I guess if they cast, like, I guess if like, I don't know, maybe he could be charming too. I was gonna say like Paul Giamatti. Like, I feel like, but maybe what? he could probably like. <laughs> s-
1: oh, are you kidding I would be like, I would. <laughs> The thing is, Paul Giamatti mostly plays like exclusively unlikable characters.
2: So like And he also is a big screamer. So I feel like a lot of his dialogue would just be yelled.
1: And I'm sorry to say, I don't mean this in a mean way.
2: Oh, whoa. There go.
1: Paul Giamatti doesn't have the general physical um presence. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Have you seen Sideways?
1: <laughs> that I feel like an Alec Baldwin character has that brings the charm. Paul Giamatti, you're right. He couldn't, he, I would hate him in this character. But I also, I don't see it happening with Paul Giamatti as this character. Like, I don't see What about
2: it. What about Willem Dafoe? Do you see that happening?
1: <laughs> I don't. Like feel like I know much
2: about. <laughs> I feel like it would get like scary. I feel, I feel like, like you'd be like, "Is he, he gonna kill always, her?"
1: He always he always teaches on the edge of like, "Are you going to hurt somebody?" You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: So it would be a very different it, movie, it, it and was, I think a thriller. We all understand why that divorce happened. Yeah. Um, a little bit clear, but no, she does this really good job of casting, like of like casting people and making you yes. watch a movie that's just about people that just are casually very very wealthy. So true. And
1: not being like, and not, being, I, and, not I, and not being like. Ugh, well, I of course she has this, like you know what I mean. I'm not doing that throughout the movie. I'm like, oh, no, I'm oh in my the story. God, the kitchen. Oh my god, that bathroom is gorgeous. It's like
2: I'm doing. Meryl Streep is. Meryl Streep is such a fucking chameleon though too Yes, that it's just like she can inhabit any role and we've seen her inhabit literally any role so it makes sense. It's funny too though because it's like when we talk about this effortless wealth thing like in the movie there's several times where like Meryl goes for this this shawl, the scarf that she throws around her shoulders Mm -hmm. when she's like running. She's got one in like turquoise she's got one in like a cream color Hermes scarves. (laughs) That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. No. They're like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but she just grabs them really quickly, and when you look at them, honestly, full tea, they look like they could have been bought at like a lovely market. Sure, like they don't, they don't give like, they don't give not like opulence. Screaming Hermès, they're not screaming, yeah. but it's like then you find out that they're fucking Hermès scarves, and yeah. you're like. Of, of course they are. Yeah, like of, of course. course they are.
1: Of course you would casually throw on an air scarf to like
2: go to like the local market, and it's like, or to like, or to like go outside and like pick your pick in your garden because yeah. it's like a little chilly. Like if I like... owned
1: an air scarf, it wouldn't be anywhere near the dirt of my garden let no, me know
2: shit like that is, no if i own an Hermes scarf it would be in its original fucking box <laughs> on the top of my closet and i'd forget i owned it because and then when times got hard i'd hop on fucking the real real to see what they were selling for to see if i could get rid of it and be like i don't deserve this anyway i'm trash here Take so it. give me money that's what i need uh but yeah, so anyway, that was uh, that's what I was getting from this movie, and I think that Nancy Myers does a really good job because she just tells these kinds of stories, and we really do just embrace it because she's a great storyteller, mm-hmm. and because, as I said, she writes what she knows, which is fine. Like no, I don't need which Nancy is Myers white, to try white women
1: opulence. Yeah,
2: yeah, I don't need Nancy Myers to try and give me like a Mean Streets moment, <laughs> and like. Gritty, like star like during the height of the crack epidemic. That's not her moment, and I think she knows that.
1: I'm glad she knows that because I would be like, "What are we doing here? This seems like you. What? (laughs) This seems like it's. What were
2: those conversations like with Delroy (laughs) Lindo? And as when you when you guys were were meeting to discuss him being cast in this movie. Oh uh, Nancy have you ever seen a crack pipe before <laughs> um, It's yeah she just finds She, she like gets some like w- She gets some like made from like some like <laughs> Glass blower in like Italy Find out like through the Fax toys that they cost like $500 a pop and it's just like What are you doing girl This
1: is not what the budget this should be going
2: that. to Um,
1: uh,
2: But Jane what's your next leg?
1: Yes <laughs> My next legacy like, Wait um oh there is this line that um jane the character of jane played by Meryl streep says when she and alec are talking about they're sort of like sharing responsibility for the end of their marriage um and i think this is when they're in the hotel and they're talking about like he's talking about what he did wrong and she says this line, which I thought was so poignant and like made me like kind of stop in my tracks. And she said, when you cheated, it meant that I didn't have to. And I was like, man, that is so heavy to say to you, no matter how true it is. But it's so heavy to say that because it's taking such responsibility for the fact that like I had emotionally left this marriage and I. I didn't feel like I could leave you because I didn't know how to go about that. And so when you cheated, it gave me such a good reason to A, leave and B, put all of the onus on you. And I was like, that was just I just felt like um, it was it was an interesting thing it was an interesting line to put in there because it helped me. It made the, it made the first of all the conversation way more real and it made it way more true to life where like, there are so many things that go on within a relationship and it's so easy, particularly to make a movie about a husband who cheated on a wife. It is so easy to make that be the, the reason why everything fell apart.
2: The crux for everything and to lose the nuance of like a relationship that is between two people yes. and to acknowledge the fact that like, there are ways that a person can create an environment that is hostile, quietly hostile. Yeah. And like, doesn't lend itself to like the fostering of like love or like totally of like community or like compassion. Like you can, mm-hmm. there are subtle Ways that you can create and an, that you can make it so that love is like is uninhabitable, like there like there's no space for love, mm-hmm. like and then sort of like wait for the other person to make a move, and then once they do, feel comfortable. And like safely, sort of like stowed away in your moral on your moral high ground. Yes. Um. While this person sort of takes the brunt of everything from family and friends and society, mm-hmm. and like and their moral a, cow- character is called into question, and you've done nothing wrong because you sort of you could sort have of quiet quit in a way.
1: Well, and it's <laughs> such a it's such a clean reason to tell people like this is why our marriage of twenty three years ended. This oh, is yeah, what he happened. Cheated. He cheated, and and now I'm the victim of the story. And, and it, it it harkens back to what I was saying in the beginning of this conversation where I was saying like, you know, I don't hate the Alec Baldwin character because he cheated on his wife. Do I think that's a good thing? Absolutely not. It's a really hurtful, like, horrible thing to do to somebody who you have promised to take care of and honor and, a life and build a life with it's a horrible, horrible horrible thing to do but he is not the only person in this relationship who left it you know what i mean and so
2: and it it's- and it wasn't a narrative of like they had the perfect marriage and then all of right. a sudden he ruined it. <laughs>
1: exactly. You because know what I mean? that's she was never the perfect true, wife you know? and
2: she was there for him. And like they had this incredible sex life. And she was super communicative about what she needed and warm and loving. Mm-hmm. And you know, he just fucked everything up. And it's like it, there's there's a lot going on. It takes two people for a yes. marriage to and sometimes people are just married to like people that are irredeemable pieces of shit for sure. But like 100%. a lot of times, this is actually what it is. A lot of the times is that and I think that's important there's...
1: to say because I think we do so much in like societally of like vilifying people who who betray their spouses, and it's like that is I, again I am I am not team t- cheat and betrayal. I'm just saying like th- it doesn't mean that you are uh, it, it's 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 a response that um it's a it's a response to like a it's a symptom of a
2: much larger problem almost always there are many vows that we make when we get married and there are ways that you and that this is the one that people like sort of harp on often mm-hmm. but there are other ways that you can sort of like begin to you know forsake married marital vows that you may that aren't this one that are you make vows to communicate you make vows to be present you make mm-hmm. vows to sort of uplift and there are ways that like you can stop doing those things too and those aren't the egregious ones and those aren't the ones that people are going to sort of call you to the floor on but i but to say that is just to say that like there's a lot there's a wealth of reasons and there's a ton of ways where like we fall short as partners other than cheating, but cheating is the one that like people grab onto because it's sort of like the most cut and dry. But it's like sometimes it you have to interrogate all that other stuff.
1: It's, it's a- ultimately a really brutal way to end a relationship or to hurt someone, of course. But there's quieter ways to be brutal and hurt other people. That are people, also too. That are
2: just quieter hurts and that yeah. are also crushing and lead to a partner, you know, crying themselves to sleep at night mm-hmm. after, you know, feeling just like the, the coldness of like, their a significant other or feeling a lack of love can be mm-hmm. like a really quiet way that like a person is slowly sort of like they you know that something is sort of atrophying and yeah. like it just isn't loud and bold and it's harder to like put your finger on right. it's harder to name like mm-hmm. cheating is a thing that you can that you can point at and you can name and we all know the parameters around it mm-hmm. and there are other ways that you can do things that can sort of foster like this mistrust and lead to a sort of a coldness and like ultimate like like derision as mm-hmm, well mm-hmm. and i think that like that's that sort of comes up in a converse in that conversation that you mentioned yeah uh, so i think it's a good point Jane. and i was
1: just like it. just you know I, I i just appreciated seeing that in this movie where it could have just been a rom-com you know what i mean for sure but, for sure but it's nancy myers so she you know she does her thing
2: gets to the heart of it exactly um no, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, my my last like it is actually it was just I thought another like really quiet moment that made me sort of like think about like you know the child parent dynamic is that moment right sort of before the affair begins when they get to New York. They've just gotten there. They're checking into the hotel. Um her son who is at school um who is at school in New York who she's come here with her two daughters. Um basically she's come here with um with Gabby and um God, I'm sorry. She's coming with with Gabby and Lauren. Those are the two daughters, my bad. Mm-hmm. She's coming with Gabby and Lauren and they are here for their brother Luke's graduation from college. And Gabby and Lauren are they get there, the brother shows the brother shows up and he instantly wants to sort of bring them back to like his apartment. And she's checking into the hotel with the two kids. Their brother meets them there and basically sort of like spirits away the two daughters to like this apartment because he wants them to like help him you know get everything ready for his big graduation party this evening and she's just like alone yeah and like you know they and she's sort of like hey like you know you can tell she thought maybe they were gonna go out to lunch together or like do a little bit of sightseeing um and they're like and he's like please mom like can i just bring them to like my apartment i want to I want them to meet some people and I want them to help me like get ready for the party tonight. And of course she acquiesces and they all go. And then she's sort of left alone and she ends up at the bar having dinner on her own, which leads to this sort of moment with Alec. But my point is just that like watching it now as like an adult, like I'm not a parent, but like I think about those moments where like I probably did shit like that. And like watching her sort of live through that moment and thinking like she's it's a fucking person. Like yeah. It's just like you like those ways when you're a kid, like even like a young adult, mm-hmm. you know, still has kid tendencies. It's like where you are sort of inconsiderate. And like, you don't think about the fact that like you, you're the three of you are here. Your mom's got her three kids with her for the first time. And like, instead of maybe like, offering for her like inviting her to come with you maybe back at least to like help set up so she gets to spend some time with you Mm -hmm. or maybe going and grabbing like coffee with her and a pastry before like you just sort of leave her it's because we like expect our parents to just sort of like like bear the weight of loneliness at like at like very particular instances or like understand like our desire to be away from them like Mm -hmm. or like pockets of it just it was one of those moments that I got a little bit reflective and I was like I'm sure I've done shitty things like that too where like you just count on your parents to just be able to like take their like not take their licks because it's not being you're just being inconsiderate like you're not thinking about her lived experience and you're not thinking about her like being a full like a full human being right who like maybe is feeling a kind of hurt or a kind of loneliness and it's like all of a sudden she's left to sort of like quietly, you know, deal spend with the that. the evening. Yeah, I think spend the evening by herself. And I, I was like, oh, that hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think also, so this is 100% I, I had that moment where I felt like sad for her, which I don't think like as a teenager, or as a young adult, I would have experienced you don't the think about,
2: same way. don't think way. about our parents' interiority when we're like when <laughs> No, we're of like, course not. You know.
1: I think what you think when you're that age is like, oh, my parents are here for me when I need them. And other than that, they are like, it's like putting a doll on a shelf. You know what I mean? It's so selfish that you don't, you're like, oh, I'll play with my parents when I need them or when I want them. But like, other than that, like they, they don't need anything from me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just I think that's kid. what it is too. You know what I mean? what can they I don't do? need anything what, from me. What can I do from them? You know what I mean? And I think also like, if I was confronted with that at that age, and someone said to me hey you sh- your mom's gonna be lonely tonight like you should hang out with your mom she wants to be with all of you i think i would have gotten defensive and rude oh of course and you know because that was my ex that that was my response to everything was i was like, when i was younger was just to get defensive and tell people now that they're not right instead of like really hear the information and be like oh maybe i do something that hurt somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's interesting to think about that. Absolutely. And I know there are countless times where I've done that to, I'm sure both of my parents and they, you know, I, I'm sure they chalk it up to like kids being kids. But even now when I go visit my parents and I leave to go see, you know, my parents live in Boston, I live in Chicago, so I don't see them, you know, as often as, as I, as I would like. And so when I go home and I go see other people and don't spend time with them, I feel a little guilty. I, you know, I, I have to be like, you know what, it's okay. If I spend a couple of hours outside of the house, like I'll come home, they'll be fine, whatever. But there is, there's that intense guilt, especially as I get older that I think about all the time where it's like, I don't want to leave my parents alone. Even if I'm just sitting in the same room with them reading, I'm just like, okay. This is us hanging out.
2: <laughs> I think I also just like I interrogate it with myself and I think I also just ask now too. Yeah. Like I also had a single parent. So mm-hmm. like I you know, I think about all that time. That like that's so why I said it's tra- it's like these transitional years where you're not like a child anymore, mm-hmm. but you're also not an adult and so it's like Weird as you sort of navigate like this new like this the in betweenness of this like space and I think that now as a as like an adult, um, according to the government at least, (laughs) still child of my head. But as I navigate sort of like adulthood, I think that now obviously like I can understand like my mother and her world. Oh my god, of course, um, and feel like similarities in a way that I couldn't. But I think that also now I'm a lot more sort of upfront and open, and Mm -hmm. I will just say hey, how are you doing? Do you want to like, yeah. you, is this okay if I do this? Mm-hmm. It's okay if it's not okay. Is there something you'd want it to do instead? Mm-hmm. And like to my mother's credit, I think the older I get, the more she's like, oh, I kind of hope that X, Y, and Z would happen. Mm-hmm. And I honestly like try and just I like receive that. Mother, and I'm I like, wish my mother would do okay. that.
1: My mother is the always the person to say, oh, honey, no, I want you to do what you want, whatever you want to do. And I just think, I feel bad bad because I don't know if I actually believe her because she's so my mom is such a people pleaser in that sense she with her kids I feel like she just wants us to like to do, have what you want to have to, what we want do what we want she doesn't want she. oh you don't have to sit home with me I'm fine and I'm like and there are times where I think she probably actually means that and times where I think you know maybe she's not she, she thought I was going to be home and you know so I still have some guilt about it
2: here we go. I know. It, it doesn't go away. Never. <laughs> um And then we. Did you have any more like Chain before we move into the love? No.
1: Let's do love it. So let's let's hit awesome. our loves.
2: Um. Oh, was it me? <laughs> I think so. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, bringing it back to rich people shit. I fucking love how when. Alec Baldwin, uh, they're having a tryst in a hotel room. We talked about this, this like um, situation earlier, where it's like John Krasinski, their like soon-to-be son-in-law sees them like in the hotel, like going to have this affair, and they're upstairs in the hotel room, and all of a sudden Alec Baldwin has like he like passes out or something, and so they make. 10 seconds later obviously movie magic a fucking doctor does an immediate house call to a hotel room and i just thought that is the richest fucking thing i've ever seen like some random doctor in the middle of the day is totally fine showing up to a hotel room and like taking your vitals and checking you out to make sure you're okay i've never in my real life seen a doctor do a house call i've never seen it
2: no i've seen okay i've seen like plastic surgery videos on youtube and like i've seen like the girls in miami and the bbls and the, sometimes there's a doc it's not a doctor though it's like a service that comes to your house to like they like bring vitamins they like connect an iv to your arm no. and they like give you vitamins and things like that but that's different and yeah, we're it's, talking it's, old it's,
1: school doc no we're talking old call. school
2: we're, t- we're talking a house call to a hotel yeah and this is a very funny scene john mm. krasinski is is the son-in-law, the soon-to-be son-in-law Harley, of course, because that's a name um, Harley. <laughs> like, okay, and he's sure he's <laughs> he's engaged to the oldest child, um, and they're at this uh, this hotel restaurant having a meeting or getting ready to have a meeting with a wedding planner. And the way that they're seated, his wife, these are her parents. Her back is to the entrance of the hotel, and he sort of looks up and he sees his soon-to-be father-in-law Jake check into the hotel, and his wife's talking to him, and he he instantly before he even sees. Meryl's character, Jane, he thinks he knows that it's odd that, like, his soon-to-be father-in-law in the middle of the day, on, like, a weekday, is just, like, checking into, like a hotel room between so he, he
1: knows his history too so it's not you know completely unexpected oh, for know? sure
2: so he like so he just doesn't say anything to his wife and she can't see obviously and so we're just watching it all through his eyes as he's taking in all of this information and she isn't privy to really any of it and she ultimately thinks that it's a moment of him having cold feet and that's why he's being so odd but he watches him check in and then like literally 20 seconds later Meryl Streep shows up and she checks in and they go they get in the elevator they're they're, they're so close together they go up in the elevator together he watches them start making on the elevator and then he sees like this doctor come in and he hears the doctor asked to you know go to the Adler he's there for to go to the Adler room so he's watching it all happen and he's like oh my god there's a doctor here what's happened he sees the doctor come back downstairs and give the concierge at the front desk a thumbs up meaning that you know Jake's okay so he's lived through all of this from the hotel lobby and it's a very funny scene and I do agree with you that like you very rarely see this but I also think when I think about wealthy people I often just think about all the rich people shit that I don't know about, nor will I ever. I guess it's such a different. World,
1: maybe you like, can get a house call. I just, I didn't think it was.
2: Yeah, our uh, our producers uh. just chimed in and said, concierges at nice hotels in major cities absolutely have an on call doctor available for wealthy guests, which also makes Whoa. sense because these okay. rich ass people go to these hotels and do all sorts of shit. And like, I'm sure there's been plenty of like fucking like celebs that have like OD'd on something in a fucking hotel room, yeah, and like true. the pops or the paps are downstairs, and so like you get a call to the front desk to you know, get up there before I don't know. I was, I was, I was like, anybody can sue me if I say their name. Um, but like, you know, so and so, like, completely od's. I was gonna say Dustin Diamond because he's dead and he can't sue me. R.I.P. But I was like, wow, you know what? Let him rest. Let yeah, him. rest. that is rest, cold, damn man. It.
1: That is really, um, really
2: cold. I hate you. Um, so <laughs> I, so yeah, no, but I'm sure this is a thing that happens. But it's like not a thing that like the average person even fucking think But also, well, this is how the thing. Much This money is money. This would be because yes. this isn't like a. What's your insurance carrier? No, baby. <laughs> you get the bill you get. You get the bill we you get. We don't give get. a fuck about Edna. Exactly. Blue Cross Blue Shield. <laughs> Keep that shit to yourself. I want that pay. I, no, you're going to get that that bill from my fucking assistant tomorrow. Exactly. This isn't going through, through a primary care. <laughs> fucking deductible. Um, it's very that. And it's a really funny moment. It's so um, funny. My first love, It actually, because you brought up that line. And I thought another really biting piece of dialogue um, it's in the scene when she's at her home, Alec comes over, it's right when they get back, he's, you know, he's been circling now, he's gotten back, and he's, a, and really what it is, the thing is that really what it is, is he caught her at, like, a very vulnerable moment, he took advantage of it, and now he's capitalizing yes, on it. 100%. Like, that's what it is. It's yep. Like, he caught her at a very weak moment, and then he took advantage, and honestly, he didn't even think that it would be possible to get back in her bed. Of course not. And so... a series of events leads to that being an opportunity and then he like he just sort of like he takes advantage of it and so he's back at the house and he's trying to sort of like cajole her into the bed again and he says to her in you know because his his ammo his main ammo is sort of like the good times of their former marriage yes and he says to her don't discount what we had. And she says, like you did. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, that's a that's a really ooh. zesty, spicy line. Yeah. Um, and it actually reminded me because we went to um Steppenwolf this weekend and we saw Stepmom, which is a parody of um of the uh, Julia, Ro- Julia Roberts and <gasps> no Susan Sarandon way. movie, which, by the way, I've never seen before. Oh God, so the- I just saw the parody. It's
1: so sad.
2: <laughs> but it's these two actors. It's over the top. And the the main plot point of the movie, because they go back and forth between scenes in Stepmom and then scenes like behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. It's a comedic take on it. But the two actors are, main actors are having a sapphic love affair. <gasps> so it's all, so there's like a scene where like, Susan Sarandon is like going intensely going down on Julia Roberts (laughs) and she has like a line where she says, um, it's these two men in drag and they are so good. And she has a line where she says like, I've got to get home to Timmy and the kids. And it's just so fucking <laughs> funny. Um, but there's this scene, and I think this is a line from the actual movie where the Ed Harris character is yelling at the daughter. And mm-hmm. he says, she gets into a fight with her mom and she's running up the stairs. And he goes, hey, don't run away from your mother and then she goes no that's your job <laughs> I, like, I love I love a good spicy spicy retort okay so um, there
1: is one of my favorites and it's so bad it's in a movie that I tried to get us to watch but it wasn't streaming anywhere so I couldn't watch it actually should I I'll, I'll, mm. I'll it's I'll tell, tell, me it. the line, tell, I'll me tell you okay so it's like It's actually one of our friend Laura's like favorite lines from a a movie to like quote because it's so stupid, but it's like there and maybe um, I won't say the movie and I won't expose it, but maybe listeners will know when they hear it. But there is this teenage son walking away from his father who has been particularly absent in his life and the father goes, don't walk away Landon and he goes, you taught me how. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's like <laughs> Oh, that's really that's right up there. With, remember that drug ad when we were kids, and the parents like find like the I think it's the isn't it weed? It may be alcohol, but like the dad finds it and like his son and he's he, berating him in like the commercial, and he's like, "Where'd you where'd you learn how to do this crap?" And he just goes, "I
1: learned it from you." Oh, I learned it from watching you, Dad. That's one of Tara's. Learned- that's one of Tara's favorite lines as well. She says that all the time. Did she really? Yeah, it's, from
2: a, it's a. It's like a. It was a PSA, wasn't it? I think so.
1: And she says it, it. It's it's about smoking weed, and yeah, she says. I sa- learned it from sh- watching you, Dad. She says it any time where I'm like, "Where did you get this?" Or like, "Where did, did this come from?" And she goes, "I learned it from watching you, Dad." Like she says it all the time.
2: There's another movie that has a line in it, and I can't. I, I can't remember. Never mind. Um, I love I love a good, like, tight two lines that yeah, just sort of like really drive uh, you, you, the point. You called home. and I answered, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's really great. Stopping people in their tracks. Um, what's your next love it, Jade?
1: Okay. My next love it is this, like, Bakery slash lunch place that she owns. That of course she. First of all, it's like this, business is fucking booming. Business is booming, and Mama never has to be there.
2: She only. No.
1: She only has to. She shows up. First of all, you think like it's a bakery. We're meeting
2: about remodeling her home. She shows up
1: <laughs> at the fucking bakery. I'm like, okay, why are we at the bakery for this? And then she also is like she at one point she has a meeting at her house at 8:30 a.m. and then she Alec Baldwin comes and they end up having uh, like sex at her house in the morning so then she's like i've got to get to work and i'm like ma'am you work at a bakery like you need to be there at like 4 a.m like (laughs) you never have to fucking be there and it's like this fabulous place and i mean clearly she is again as we've covered a very wealthy woman i'm sure she has people doing all the heavy lifting for her but she does have the scene where she breaks in with um, Steve, Martin Steve Martin at one point, like they're having a nice night and they have this great fun date and he's like, I want a chocolate croissant and she's like, I'll make you a chocolate croissant. And so she, they have this like fun, sexy scene where she makes a chocolate croissant. And I'm like, she could never do this the amount of proving that like a croissant needs to do before you can actually put it in the oven and bake it and eat it like sorry honey like you can't bake this from scratch I'm sorry
2: no holy lamination Batman like it requires a lot of work and Dave actually pointed out we watched the movie too because he was like they like go to this party they smoke pot for the first time both of them in like 27 years they're having this really fun night and they slip over to the bakery and Dave was like why is nobody here like this bakery people need to be working right now because when the bakery opens, it's supposed to there's supposed to be it's a bunch bustling. of beautiful pastries in the case. Yeah, And these two are here all night, <laughs> apparently doing a five-hour um, America's Test Kitchen on making fucking croissants. And Pas no, not chocolate. a soul. Not a soul around. And no. it's like, there would be people that were working like that midnight shift for sure. Absolutely. Uh, it makes no sense Especially that she's the for, only person like, here. Especially for
1: the bustling bakery that it is. It's clearly like it was so, there couldn't success. have been more customers there the day
2: before <laughs> and it's also really funny because it's like I feel like the people that actually have to work in this kitchen are going to show up the next day and be like who made a fucking mess I mean true, like, like everything's where it shouldn't be <laughs> yeah. and then she comes in and she's like oh I smoked a joint for the first time in three decades and her first fucking mask scarf <laughs> like well, we, well we're not ready to serve exactly right because now okay I closed last
1: night I set everything up the way it was supposed to be now I come here and it's a fucking mess like what am I supposed to do this is your business i need you to care more what, yeah where was
2: that scene at man Where was the scene at when when the day manager comes in and is like none of <laughs> nothing that i set up i was supposed to, i set up the the person who comes in, in the morning for success you understand how this works right jane <laughs> like i'm trying to help make you money exactly while you're having meetings in a room that we're supposed to be using to serve people about your kitchen getting remodeled. Well,
1: I'm making a, like, a cool $17 an hour while you're literally counting money and redoing your a kitchen at home and boning Steve Martin on these fucking flowered up, you know, metal tables.
2: That's I'm not what trying to get this food out. And I've got customers coming up to me because they're finding Steve Martin's pubic hair <laughs> in their fucking pot de crème.
1: How do they know it's Steve Martin's pubic hair? It's white. You just when you know
2: <laughs> when you know you know. It was given jerk. I'm not that guy. Um so very that. Yeah. Um I I also one thing that I loved is that I love that at a certain point in the movie Alec Baldwin's character just sort of teeters into like stalking the territory and it's like Maybe. they present it like teeters? cheeky but it's like <laughs> he just moves into full on stalker mode but because we've got like this really breezy Hans Zimmer score that's under <laughs> like that's like underscoring these moments we're supposed to just sort of like wink and giggle be like, oh, but it's like
1: haha that's just my ex-husband as if like crimes against women are like almost exclusively (laughs) committed by (laughs) ex-partners
2: also it's literally like he he not only is he stalking but she's aware of it and like (laughs) at one point steve martin's character is there you know she makes these which look like delicious and dave and i realized we haven't had before but we're going to add to our repertoire she makes croque masseur Mm. um which is a fancy ham and cheese so good with a little salad and what Mm. i did appreciate that was actually like a really legit touch um, was that she makes two rounds of croc And Yes, she and does. And like, I was like, tell the truth and shame the devil. That's mm-hmm. how that shit goes down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Real people. <laughs> real people with real palates. We want a second one.
1: Okay? We want a second helping, and we're finishing both rounds, baby
2: absolutely and so i got I, I was like okay props for you being like yeah and then you fix a second one and you eat those <laughs> motherfuckers too um and they had like a little bit of salad from the first round on the plate and it was like we like we like to see those these touches these authentic touches but we've got alec baldwin out in the bushes watching everything happen then steve martin leaves and then he he and then he comes to the door and he she and she lets him in and he goes oh i thought he'd never leave and <laughs> Then he's, like, roasting Steve Martin and talking about how he saw Steve Martin through the window staring at her ass when she bent over to, like, open the oven. And she just sort of giggles it away. It's like, why aren't you stopping him to be like, hold on, were you at the window in my kitchen watching me have a... Private moment with Adam. <laughs> like, just, she just like,
1: oh, oh, oh. Like, let talk just, about what happened. She's loving the fantasy of two men like being into her, which like I get. I get absolutely it. could get lost in that as
2: well. But I know, I, I know so many men who are obsessed with Meryl <laughs> Streep. They are all gay, but I get it.
1: I mean, it really is cause for concern. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be giggling. But, you know, again. I'd be like, what are you doing, babe? Yeah. I. It, what are you doing it, in my window? Well, and also the fact that, like, he's fully, like, you can see him in the window. Like, he's in the corner. And, like, neither of them notice him. I'm like, okay, this is a little too playful for me, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you need to need call to, uh... the authorities.
2: <laughs> no, it's not cute. And, like, he's, like, falling in the bushes, fucking up her azalea. It's a whole thing, yeah, and it was just very funny to me (laughs) because there's several scenes of him playing peekaboo, and it's like get home to your get home to your wife and get to that fertility clinic and fill up some of those those test cups because you're supposed to be having a baby, right?
1: Right, like oh, the fucking it's just like his life was so is like it pissed me the fuck off.
2: (laughs) It's also that thing too when you're watching it where you're like. Oh, these like old men who are just like no judgment. These <laughs> old men who are just like marrying these like young women and then like slipping back into like like newborn T-toddler territory. Era. No, do, no. To be fair, these celebrity men are millionaires yes. and like they're not fucking taking care of these babies. Of course, okay pair for that two of them. Oof. But it is like when you see it, sort of broken down. Nancy does a really good job of like actually sort of highlighting like how how peculiar it can mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. like to sort of like be caught between like these two worlds where you've got like adult children his the oldest child is 27 yeah and then you've and then you've got like you're not even and you haven't even had the kid yet you're just literally like trying to get pregnant so it's like that kid couldn't come until your your daughter is like 30 yeah like that's a lot mm-hmm. but a um lot. it is interesting yeah
1: um, okay, so my next love at point is the home and just general like vibe of like her 27-year-old daughter, which I find to be <laughs> insane. Her 27-year-old daughter lives, they she throws this party at this house and she lives in this. Gorgeous house in Southern California. And I was just like, this was not, these were not, these were not the homes I was attending as a 27 year old when a party was being had. Like, this no. is such an adult home. This is the home of a 37 year old, a 47 year old. It was just like, I, this is not like, these aren't like two 27 year olds like about to get married, unless. Your parents, you. Your parents are wealthy, and you're, you know, in this movie. But it was just so funny to see that it was like, okay, this is, this is Nancy Myers, you know, set dressing a twenty seven year old's apartment. Yeah,
2: yeah. Nancy Myers is not fucking (laughs) filming in a goddamn studio apartment. Yeah, in Chinatown. Okay, she. She is not wasting our time. <laughs> she said, "Give me fantasy or give me nothing." And she's right. Um, and she's and right. And yeah, so we get uh, we get this fucking craftsman. Yeah, Um truly. That these people are just like <laughs> occupying, and we pretend like this is money that they've earned. I know. Um, which good for you if good. you've got wealthy fucking parents can't afford it. Truly. Um, but it I, is like very. It is very that because unless it's like a pied de terre in like France, right. And we're only getting a couple shots in there, yeah, and then we're out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because that's where you're having a CD affair. Like <laughs> Nancy's gonna put everybody. It's so funny. i mean, if it's just because Nancy's so out of touch with like the reality of like <laughs> she thinks working this class. Is
1: like what that she's like. <laughs> she actually
2: thought Meryl's house was like humble. You're, she was like,
1: I get. The I want something quaint. Yeah, I get the impression that she kind of did because she's like, oh, I want to build my dream kitchen, and it's like, is that is there some uh, is something different from what we have
2: here. <laughs> it's because we want to see like a hole in the wall and like rats running across the floor for <laughs> it to make sense for us
0: <laughs> fucking people
2: living in a fucking concrete jungle. Oh, um, no, that is a really good point. Because <laughs> it's a big ass house. Yeah. And like
1: and they have yeah. this yeah. Very, do do? very, very adult party for their um brother's uh college graduation. And the funny thing about it is that there's this scene where um meryl streep and steve martin go into the bathroom to like smoke this joint that she has and john krasinski like accidentally gets mixed up into the bathroom and he's like uh, are you guys smoking weed in here and it's like this is a party full of like presumably 22 year olds and like 27 year olds and like people in their 20s how can you guys be the only people smoking weed at this party that's wild
2: to me. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't Steve Martin. It was Alec Baldwin, and we get a very homoerotic moment between Alec Baldwin and John Krasinski, where Alec Baldwin. Gives a, a little shotgun to John Krasinski. Oh, that's right, that's and, right, that's what I was say.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> I've
2: already created a meme for it. So
1: Tara, Tara <laughs> walked in at that park. She like was in and out was on. She was like, imagine getting a fucking shotgun <laughs> from Alec Baldwin. And I, of course, did say, "Well, I went to high school with someone who gets one every night." <laughs>
2: Oof. But Oof. for but those, then she not. But then she not. to <laughs> pronounced cucumber
1: exactly. For those of you who don't know i went to high school with Hilaria baldwin um also known as hillary hayward thomas when we went to high school anyways i just like to keep people updated so they know
2: yeah that's our one claim to fame Mm -hmm. so we like to bring it up on the podcast i I like to
1: actually stay away from it but
2: no you don't so anyway moving (laughs) on to the next point um so the (laughs) thing the next really funny scene that happens is that like there's a moment when jane is sort of Deeply sort of in turmoil. She's Mm -hmm. trying to figure out like what her path forward should be. She's falling for Adam, this sort of new opportunity. She's got the familiarity of Jake. She doesn't know like where she wants to be. Mm -hmm. And there's this really funny scene. Peter McKenzie, who's like a really fun character actor, he's been in a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. He plays her therapist, Dr. Mm -hmm. Allen. So she goes to Dr. Allen and she's like, Dr. Allen, this is what's going on in my life. I don't know what to do. And her therapist basically tells her to like have the affair. And like what he says is, in, I'm thinking that in this affair, you may learn to see the world in a different way. Let go, Jade. I'm like, that is irresponsible <laughs> advice to be giving to your client. <laughs> Not you just waiting to see if her life completely unfurls as a result of this. You didn't remind her of any of the things that like could go wrong. Mm-hmm. You literally were just like, you know what? You've been such a Debbie good your whole life. <laughs> this is your moment to get that nut, girl.
1: It's time, it's time, to, like, it's, no. it's time to call up Willa Ford because I, I want to be bad. Make Ben look so good. And I do I think feel- like it's one of those things like it's just they needed to move the story f- forward a little bit where it was like we're not going to spend too much time on this. We're not going to do real therapy throughout this moment. No, it's like, we're going to
2: belabor the point.
1: It's like let's just let her feel free. And I was like okay. you. It would have been <laughs>
2: <laughs> better it would have been better if he had just said jane i'm i'm your therapist i'm not your parent like yeah. you've got to make a decision that feels right for you mm-hmm. if it's jake then that's something that you need to interrogate mm-hmm. why is that the answer if it is the answer and if it's adam then lean into the new mm-hmm. like some of the most unexpected mm-hmm. things are the moments that we haven't even encountered yet mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. some shit like that could yeah, have been more exactly. like up in the air and like felt a little bit more balanced as opposed to just like <laughs> you better go get that dick
1: girl like holding a cup of tea like go for it baby girl
2: i am here for i can't wait why isn't your ex-husband's dick in your mouth right now
1: (laughs) i can't fuck him i can't wait for next week when we unpack all this make sure you remember all the details for me
2: (laughs) it's like you know he's married right mr therapist (laughs) not my problem and not yours Mm. it's like okay all right (laughs) He just hands her a couple loose condoms and tells her to go our, go about her business. So, um, that was a really funny moment for yeah, me, so and good. I uh, really found it just hilarious. He was in and out. He gave her advice to make her life just a little bit more chaotic, and was basically like, "Take two of these and call me on Monday." And uh, <laughs> he's like, "I'll get the tea from you later." <laughs> Uh, I wonder if therapists ever do that. They just like, they sort of guide you towards chaos just so like they've got something to look forward to the next week.
1: I think maybe like a very irresponsible bad therapist if they do do that and doesn't take it up seriously. So you as a therapist, Brianna, because I know you'd be absolutely (sighs) ushering everybody towards that. That's why we've had, had the discussion many times on this podcast. You would be a great reality TV show producer because you usher people towards the chaos towards the drama so you can have something good to watch is that is that right you're such
2: a small Mm. person Mm. i would never i'd be the best (laughs) therapist in the world and i do a lot of what i've experienced in therapy Mm. you know just listening and Mm. guiding Mm -hmm. and asking people what they think Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes so doing nothing <laughs> shut up if I felt like if I felt like it was I don't I would be bad because I would be like
1: what did she say to you at work I know you would you get people hyped up over the wrong I'd thing I'd be like no 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 no. <laughs> no let's
2: file that under never a fucking again when you get to work on Monday here's what we're gonna tell Pam in HR
1: take out a pen
2: she can see me with them hands if she if she, if she wants to get slick again tell you what <laughs> Stupid, stupid games and stupid prizes, mm. and let her know that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Just like I, I lost my job, um life <laughs> is complicated and it is full of twists and turns. Wow, and it's... as Cheryl told us, every day mm. is a winding road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't take responsibility for that, Mama. <laughs> uh, but and I'm sorry you fought Pam, but lessons were learned. <laughs> so yeah, that would be very that. That was actually uh, my last uh love it. Did you have any more, Dane? I have one more love it point.
1: Good um, enough. and it's just a line that Alec Baldwin says that just really he's trying to convince um Meryl, despite the fact that she's set some boundaries and said, I want to stop this affair and this isn't good, and blah blah blah. He is constantly trying to convince her that she should go back with him. Um, mm-hmm. and one of the things he says to her. Is being with you, Jane, is the best I'm going to be. And I love, and this is obviously full of dripping sarcasm, that he even in his moments when he realizes he's about to lose her, he still figures out a way to make it all about him. Why would that be significant for her? Why would she want to show up? Because it makes you the best version of you, in your opinion, like offer her something that she deserves. Not like I can't do it without you, baby. It's like, it's, it's not a compliment. It's like, it's like, in in fact it's it harkens back to like what i think was the problem in their marriage to begin with is that like it just creates more of a project for her i'm only good when i'm with you and that's because you make me better you tell me i shouldn't eat salt with my food and i shouldn't do this and it's like why like this isn't this isn't partnership this is parentship you know what i mean and i hate that mm.
2: And he's, tug- and he's, like, tugging on her insecurities, which yeah. is right now, I mean, it's the empty nest thing. It's the fact that, like, the children have left and she's wondering what, like, her next chapter is going to be. And, like, that question mark can be exciting, but it can also be scary. And he's, like, really riding that wave of, like, her needing to be needed and, like, trying and- to use that...
1: And also the fact that, like, she clearly wants him to be a good father for their children as well. So, like, in someone's putting that on her, too. Like, I'm the best version of myself when I'm with you, which means I'm the best father I can be. I'm the best husband I can be. You know, it's like, prove it. Prove it on your own first, you know?
2: Because he wants to be there for, like, the delightful moments. Yeah. He wants to be there for, like, the family gatherings. And he wants to be there to, like, enjoy, like... The fruits of their labor, her mm-hmm. lo- a lot of her labor, especially like he wants to be in the mix for like the Norman Rockwell, like parts of things. But he doesn't want to be there in like the dark moments mm-hmm. when things get complicated and messy. So it's like, yeah, no, that's a good point, Jane. Yeah, just, um,
1: just another line to highlight his selfishness. But we've definitely talked about that for sure. So <laughs> we don't spend too much time on it.
2: <laughs> no. Also, he says in one of the in one of the scenes after they've had sex at the at her home, he says, you know, he refers he says, oh, my new wife and my he says he says, oh, my my young wife and my old wife is how he refers to her and Agnes and she recoils and then he goes, oh, no, no, I didn't mean. I didn't mean old like that, and it's like if you didn't mean old like that, you would have said my new wife and my old wife. Mm-hmm. You said my young wife and my old wife, and we know what the antithesis of young is. Exactly, so very much. So, so he just he has like lots of like little moments where these like weird slip ups happen, and it's like stop it. It's so um, annoying. <laughs> my first loaded point, which isn't really a loaded point at all, mm-hmm. it was just something that this last time I was watching the movie, I said today because one of the things about this movie is that they don't really do a lot with these kids; they're just there, mm-hmm. and. I said to Dave, I was like, you know what they should have done? They should have eliminated the Hunter Parrish character. Mm-hmm. He plays Luke. They should have just eliminated him. They should have made the younger daughter who at the beginning of the movie is going away to college for the first time. They should have just made her the daughter that was graduating from mm-hmm. college. Mm-hmm. They should have made John Krasinski the oldest child. Mm-hmm they should have made john Krasinski's wife lauren the middle child and they should have just made the young the youngest daughter the daughter because they're so invested in this relationship between like the uh, all of the kids the, the relationship that's the most clearly defined is harley's relationship to the parents and i think you could have you could i don't think that we got any mileage out of <coughs> him being the fiance that we oh, couldn't have i, I think see we could have gotten more so flip, mileage out of
1: flip the relationship between harley and and the daughter so the fiance is uh, is um now the uh, soon-to-be daughter-in-law and harley is the son
2: no that could work too though i was saying the daughter that he's engaged to just becomes his younger sister
1: oh so who's he engaged to then?
2: he's not engaged to anybody he's just the oldest son
1: Oh so the son And then the the oldest daughter be the middle Daughter and then the youngest daughter Be the youngest daughter
2: The oldest daughter <gasps> okay, just, so you're saying stays the oldest Still have yeah. three
1: kids but just okay I see.
2: Eliminate the youngest son, have Mm -hmm. those three. And I think that then we could focus a little bit more on like that relationship. And it still makes sense because older siblings are often tasked with like managing things in a particular way that Harley's already doing. 100%. So I think that we could get a little bit more mileage out of his relationship to both of them. And I think we could eliminate the young son who adds nothing to the movie. And I think we could keep the younger daughter who doesn't really add much either, but at least now we've got her little bit added to his little bit. So maybe that would make... (gasps)
1: I will say the fact that he sees this affair happening and they're neither of his parents allows the scenario to be a little bit more comedic for longer than tragic because seeing your own parents engage in an affair, as we obviously see at the end of the movie when they find out, is a really, really difficult thing to experience. So... I think that keeping Harley as the fiance actually allows him to be a little bit further removed from the emotional side of the affair and allows us to have more like yuck yuck moments before the big reveal to the rest of the siblings.
2: I think, though, that sometimes oldest siblings have very unique and special relationships with parents, and Mm -hmm. I think that it's possible for it to have opened up for for the potential of, like, a scene either with the Alec Baldwin character Mm -hmm. or with the Meryl Streep character, where he's sort of operating this space of, like, Sweden. He's trying to protect his younger siblings who were a a lot younger when the divorce happened. Mm -hmm. Maybe he has to tap into some of, like, his own feelings of, like, maybe neglect or whatever, but, like, I think that it could add more texture and more layer to it. We could invest more in, like, because mm-hmm. they clearly want to invest the most in him. Yeah. I think we could have those comedic moments, but I think there could also maybe be some deeper moments where he's talking to his dad and he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And it could still be funny because it's Alec Baldwin and John Krasinski, mm-hmm. but like, it could have a little bit more weight. Because I feel like there's not a lot here and I feel like the not a lot is being spread between so many characters when mm-hmm. we could really sort of like
0: hone just in. hone
2: in on a couple less people and mm-hmm. like make the story a little bit richer. hmm Okay. But I get what you're saying. And I could when we see were that. watching the movie, also this the scene where <laughs> the scene where the kids find out that about the affair happening mm-hmm. and then they start and then Alec he tells him he's left his wife. He wants to, you know, get back together with Meryl, assuming that she wants him back, which mm. she doesn't. But which he's she's talking to the kids. Told him that she doesn't want him back. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The kids are crying, and then he says, Why are you crying? And then the oldest daughter says, Because we're still getting over the first, uh, we're still getting over your first divorce. Mm -hmm. And Dave was passing the room and he goes, oh, shut up. (laughs) And... I burst out laughing and I was like, What was it? He was like, Just everybody grow the fuck up. We're all adults here. And I was uh, like, Look, when you've been through some shit in life, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes scenes like this.
1: I said they don't, because it's like, again, these wealthy white people who have everything that's like their biggest tragedy is like their parents' divorce. And it's like, okay, like. It's and like, that we is it, tough, that is tough. We're not taking that away, but it's like, sometimes you just don't want to see it.
2: <laughs> sometimes when like, sometimes when like adult children like almost infantilize themselves though in ways, it's like, stop. Because yeah. I think that a lot of people don't have the luxury of doing that kind of thing in life mm-hmm. and just have to roll with the punches in a very specific kind of way. Yeah. So I think that watching people who don't, who are like wealthy and like, upwardly mobile like go through things that tw- are things a 27 but year old who things... owns
1: that house like yeah you're
2: grown <laughs> like stop and honestly it's also because it's like don't get me wrong that's complicated and to think about like my parents getting back together there's a lot that needs to be interrogated yeah but like at the end of the day you grown. Right. And like Oof. look let's have a real conversation mm-hmm. you're gonna do what you're gonna do mm-hmm. and i don't think it's a good idea But it is like, it just, it's funny. It was just funny to get that very different, like, (laughs) perspective as the scene was happening. Yeah. And then sort of be like, yeah, this is kind of a lot. Like, (laughs) let's just take a step back. Let's let your mom and your dad figure this out. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's maybe not cry quite so much. And then it's like a shot of, like, the three kids, like, in bed together, like, the next morning, like, with, like, blood, like, tear-stained eyes. And it's like, stop, like... I get it. This is a wacky world. But first of all, y'all have been dragging this woman the entire movie. You don't like her. And maybe you don't want these two back together. Mm-hmm. But like, let's just calm down. We didn't receive the news that somebody died. And well, you three like think, cradling each other in bed is like.
1: I do think <laughs> part of their, and I'm not like defend, like, of course, like I know you are. Go ahead. But I do Talk. think like, <clears throat> I do think part of it, at least from my perspective is like, not about the fact that like the divorce is happening, whatever it's like, they are seeing their mother in a different light now, which often happens to people in a much younger age where you realize your parents are Mm -hmm. people. But I think they probably have held their mother to this moral standard because throughout this divorce, you know, she was the one who was hurt by their dad and he cheated on her. Mm -hmm. And Now, it's been 10 years, and they find out that she is now actively participating in an adulterous affair with their Mm -hmm. father, which, again, I'm not defending that, but I can understand how that would be, like, sad to experience, like, the fall of, like oh, I thought my mother was this person who, like, was kind of infallible, and now I'm realizing that she has not, like, you know, she can make these kind of big mistakes as well. I mean, again, I get what you're saying, but I understand feeling sad about that.
2: Yeah, you're an apologist. (laughs) Here's what I would tell these kids. I would say this is the best lesson you could have possibly gotten in life.
1: 100%. Because
2: our parents make mistakes But one of the things that Dave said a long time ago that's always stuck with me is Mm -hmm. like people put their parents on these like pedestals and people become adults and they like they keep their parents on these pedestals. Mm -hmm. And like the best thing that we can all do is just remember that our parents are just human beings who (gasps) are older than us and who have like experienced things. But it's something that comes with time and it like allows, I think... A kind of freedom when you let go of like this romanticized version of who your parents are that nobody can be, by the way, because all it is is just it's just things that you haven't found out about your parents yet that you find out later in life, and you're like, oh my god! Of course, and it's like I think then that the lesson I would offer to these three (laughs) wealthy Caucasian uh, I will also say the oldest the oldest
1: one is twenty seven. That is and doesn't speak and.
2: Nancy said, Nancy said, you were to be seen and not heard. (laughs) I have no dialogue for you.
1: heard, baby. And that is, (laughs) you know, a decade younger than us. And the youngest one is 22. So it's like, like, I get it. it. They're finding this out in their 20s. That's tough. But again, I'm not saying that, like, I feel bad for them. I'm just offering that like this is when they're discovering this. And I think every adult has to go through this where you realize your parents are just people. And there are so many mistakes that they have made along the way that you will make as well. And you can't, you can't hold your parents up on that pedestal or you will be disappointed every single time.
2: It's also the thing that we don't get much from them. Yes. at all so the mm-hmm. so this is one of the only emotional moments that we get from them right <laughs> and it's them crying and trembling yeah at finding out that their parents one are the- <laughs> like to get getting together and it's like stop
1: one of the notes that i have for watching this movie that didn't make it onto my list but it was like these children or these siblings are being too nice to each other for it to be believable there's not enough roasting there's not enough fighting and like it's like siblings who are around each other like aren't that fucking nice to each other all the time particularly when you're living in the same house or you're like sharing food or whatever it's like that's mine don't fucking eat that but you know what i mean like and they're like nancy is like like, like, these kids
2: are ornaments
1: yeah they truly are they're like sitting around laughing and like you know what i mean And, and like having a time which is like again part of being a sibling but like a lot of it also particularly when you're young like that is fucking fighting and roasting each other
2: no, Nancy was like, "This movie isn't for the adults, okay? <laughs> this isn't your story. This isn't the fucking hills, um, and you're not Kristen Cavallari, <laughs> so you're gonna have to fall back." And uh, they did, and that is uh, we've covered all my bits Um, I love have up, I
1: have one. I just have one lovet. Yeah. Um, and uh, one left that we haven't covered. I like steve martin's steve martin-ness is underutilized in this movie like he is you know like i love seeing him you know i know he's like this very nice kind man in her life but like we removed all his silliness and like that is part of one of the lovely things about seeing movies with steve martin in it and i like when he came back I like when we first met him and we're like oh he's the architect and then they had a meeting later Mm -hmm. I forgot he was in the movie (laughs) like that's like how much that I was like he's not giving Steve Martin he's not playing in the space that he's given you know what I mean and I was like I would have loved to see more of that
2: yeah I don't know why we don't spend a little bit more time highlighting the fact that he is like, he's the antithesis of Jake. Yeah. Like Adam is the antithesis of Jake. And that's, I think a part of what's appealing about him in addition to him being this new person who showed up and is like ready and Mm -hmm. willing to commit. And a person who we find out in the movie has gone through something very similar to Jane. Mm -hmm. So I think in his own marriage. And so I think that like, it's a missed opportunity to really sort of highlight his zaniness and his quirkiness and his like, Steve, uh, Alec Baldwin is so sort of like, he's so self aware and mm-hmm. like he is very much, he's very, his character, I mean, he's very much constructed this sort of like persona of like the suave, like, you know, wealthy businessman. And like mm-hmm. Steve Martin is like this architect who's like, I think they could have upped the bumbling factor a little bit. And I think yeah, that could have been a part of what totally. really like endeared him to her. Mm-hmm. And I think like a couple more scenes would have also made sense because it would have helped to highlight the fact that, like, he was actually in, like... He was actually a contender for, like, Jane's heart. And I think that, like, because the movie skews so much more heavily on the Jane and Jake part of things, which is very important, Mm -hmm. we missed the opportunity to really highlight the fact that he is a threat. Like, he is the romantic rival of Jake. And I think that I, w- when Dave and I were talking about this and we were talking about the kids not having much dialogue and we were sort of like discussing what we thought maybe like things that we thought could have rounded it out better and Dave said he was like he's like I have to wonder how much just didn't make it into the final film yeah. and I was like you're probably right there's probably like a whole character arc that Steve Martin signed onto this movie because he was getting mm-hmm. and like it probably came down to like a two hour rom-com and like a lot of conversations with like the studio about like wh- are we really gonna put out like a two and a half hour rom- romantic comedy which you should have <laughs> Yeah, but you know <laughs> I it also was like <laughs> I'm ready for Nora's cut and by Nora I mean Nancy I was gonna and say so not you I, we begin-
1: mixing up Nora Ephron and Nancy Myers. wow
2: ab- absolutely I, I am I'm guilty you know I mm-hmm. made a mistake and it was actually Nora Jones not um that I was thinking of not Nora Ephron um, I don't f- know why she didn't come to the to the to what? I was just making a joke. No, but but um, a classic. but I uh, yeah, I think that I wonder how much was left out, and I would love to see Nora's cut mm. where it's just you all mean the Nancy's scenes.
1: cut? Show a little respect. Oh
2: my god! Yeah. I need to go listen to Come Away with Me because <laughs> it's it's not going to be over until it is. Um, do you were how good that album was so good. I love that, was that album. That was a moment. Uh, we, I don't know why it's such a good song. We are were in a
1: chokehold with that album.
2: We really were. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. What a moment. I know. What a moment. Mm. Oh, t- you you had to be there. You did, Gen Z. You had to be there. Yeah. Um. But if you weren't, go listen to "Come Away with Me." Have may it's if you're, if it's frosty where you are, then like make a tea like and a, just have that moment. A
1: jazzy, like it's even kind of Christmassy. I feel like maybe it's, it, yeah. Like it it, it it it's a beautiful moment. You know, you won't regret it.
2: Shout out to Nora Ephron.
1: Um, Nora, oh my God, I'm done.
2: I'm done. That's it for me.
1: That Um, that is that is it's complicated.
2: (laughs) uh, Absolutely, Uh, Jane. I do have two questions for you. Yeah,
1: of course.
2: My first question is: Would you watch this movie again? I think we all know I would. Absolutely. It's it's a fun movie. Mm -hmm. Um, my second question for you is, Mm -hmm. Jane, what is the first? Uh, your first Valentine's movie that you are giving me as uh, we slide through the lovely February month of our Valentine selection.
1: I didn't love how you said slide.
2: I didn't either. <laughs> I just, you know, it came out
1: okay. Well, I do shout have... out
2: to um I do... Google Dolls, by the way.
1: Yeah. Always. <laughs> I think that goes without saying. Um, <laughs> I want to wake up where you are. I want to wake up where you are. <laughs>
2: what a moment also. Oh
1: my God. I fucking loved that
2: song. God, we're so old.
1: I <laughs> Anyways. Yes. I have a movie for next week. It is 2006. She's the man
2: wow you know what's really funny i've never seen this movie before but it's been coming up like i feel like online like mm-hmm. on ig and stuff i've been seeing a lot of like you want to know why discussion baby? around
1: it you want to know why maybe why, because it just became why? available on netflix
2: <laughs> oh shit yes okay. and so i'm really like, excited to see is this a i have good no time idea. to do this
1: i've had this in my back pocket for a while um okay. and <laughs> you always say you were like i never seen that movie it's like yeah that's that's what i'm trying
2: to do with was my choices um I'm just giving context to the <laughs> listeners this may be the first time here the podcast you're, We don't always in right. the beginning of it breaking everything down so yeah. stop okay you're right and I'm getting notes from our mm-hmm. joke of a producer mm-hmm Funny, that's the premise of the podcast. Ha ha ha, hearty har har.
1: And if you are joining us for the first time, another way that Brandon deals with any sort of um, pushback is uh, coming for all of us with the sharpest knife. So you got to Ugh. see it firsthand today. And you thought that was the sharpest <laughs> knife I got for you? <laughs> He's got his armor on, folks. So uh, don't don't come at him because um, he will cut you. Yeah. But anyways. Thank you, Brandon. This has been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed doing, um, I think this is our third Nancy Myers joint. And um, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fabulous.
2: Mm. Never our last. Never. Never
1: our last.
2: Absolutely not. She's got a project. I, I was on IMDb. She's got a project that's tentatively called Paris. Paris Paramount
0: oh thank that god is,
2: I, it's just a secret name it's, it's Penelope Cruz is in it Owen Wilson's in the mix Ugh. it looks like Scarlett Johansson got the call yeah um yeah so be, uh, I, we'll be seeing it
1: yeah we'll be seeing it and we'll be doing it on this podcast I'm sure um
2: and if it's in Paris then Nancy's getting that fucking budget again of course which we is. love to see
1: give her whatever she wants honestly
2: just give it to her
1: Um, but thank you, listeners. We hope you made it to the end. We hope you enjoyed our coverage of 2009's It's Complicated. If you did enjoy it and you want to keep up with us during the week and you want to share us with your friends, you and share us with your friends. Can I can I can I get where I was going with that? I'm sorry, it sounded
2: sexual. I'm sorry. And
1: I meant it sexually. So if you want to share us with your friends. Sexually, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Movies We Miss. We are also on Threads, which again we will appear um, sexually on on all platforms if you if you want. Um, so find us there at Movies We Miss. We love you. We can't wait to see you next week, and we hope you have a great time. Um, and we will be covering. 2006. She, I really lost my way there. Oh, we will be covering 2006. She's the man. Bye. 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 Bye.
2: Nancy, have you ever seen a crack pipe before?